0: Has there ever been a generation that's so kind of focused on self, but not focused on their interior selves, Mm. who don't know themselves? That's a really dangerous combination. Anxiety, depression, struggles with mental health are
1: just rocketing. What are you hearing out there among young adults? They're hurting. You
0: listen to the music, they're just narrating, in a sense, whatever that inner life looks and sounds like. You'll hear the cries of this generation.
1: Before we get started, I wanna thank our sponsor for this episode, mycatholicdoctor.com, a network of healthcare professionals who provide both in-person and telehealth services consistent with our Catholic faith, compatible with insurance and committed to excellent care. More about them in just a few minutes. Today we're looking at the early world, the turquoise period, it's Genesis 1 through 11. And in this period, we have really the makings for the entire story of salvation history. We have God's command to obey him after he creates this marvelous planet. We also have high treason, Adam and Eve, going against what God said. Instead, grasping for the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that which is beautiful, that which is tasty and makes one wise. And that choice ended up... Not so good. Not so good. Original sin brought concupiscence, a broken relationship with God. And as a result of that broken relationship with God, we have a broken relationship with one another and even with our relationship with the world. With God, we now hide. We are hiding from God. With each other, we use each other. We take advantage of each other. We don't trust one another and we exploit all that is in the world but you know what there's a solution and God says right away in the story that there is a plan and as the catechism says a plan of sheer goodness and that plan ultimately is going to find its climax its meaning uh, in Jesus Christ is He is the one who's going to mend this relationship. He's the one who's going to heal this relationship with God. In fact, it's going to be a whole new relationship and we're going to learn how to live with God, with one another and here on the earth, we're going to learn to live in a responsible way. My guest today has a lot of experience in relationships, a lot of experience in, in ministering among college students and families. and so, He's the perfect guest to talk about relationships and how they have changed as a result of the fall at the very beginning of the Bible. (laughs) Welcome, Ryan. Great to be here. Thanks, Jeff. It's good to have you here, too. So we're talking about relationships. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your background.
0: Yeah, well, my wife and I live here in the Twin Cities, and since 1997, just a year after I graduated from college, I I heard a call to full-time ministry and have been working with college students, first at the University of Missouri Newman Center, Uh, And then in Arizona for some years, and since 2008, have been working with SPO here in the Twin Cities. What's SPO? SPO is St. Paul's Outreach, and it's a ministry to college students. Mm -hmm. Uh, SPO trains recent college graduates to spend a couple of years as missionaries out on different campuses around the country. And my job has been to kind of develop content and training and resources for them. And uh, it's just been a joy to, to serve... This generation of college students and lead them closer to Christ and strengthen yeah. their relationship with God.
1: What a powerful opportunity to it to really influence the world with college students who, I mean, they're in a they're in a unique place, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. So many things are are changing, and are kind of up for grabs during those years, and and they can kind of lock in to both a relationship with God, but also a, a beautiful trajectory for their life. Things are are really decided and cemented there, and it's such a place of influence, and I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed so much.
1: When I went to uh, Benedictine College yeah. out in Atchison one year, and, and I was so blessed to see these two major college ministries, Focus and SPO, right. who are very similar yes. in some ways, yeah. uh, on campus. They shared the same facilities. We went to the same place, and they're all together. working together, it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, there's one mission
1: Mm -hmm. and there's a lot to do. And so um,
0: it's great to partner uh, with groups like Focus and with Campus Ministry at Benedictine Mm -hmm. and other, other places. And uh, there's we have a big world to reach, and it's great to kind of link arms, you know, when we can.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this as really the first topic that we're looking at in the Bible timeline show uh, relationships. Right. Uh, there's nobody that, Uh, escapes the topic of relationships. You wake up in the morning, there is going to be a relationship or many relationships uh, throughout the day. Uh, At the beginning of the show, I had mentioned a little bit about what happened in the Garden of Eden and the changes that took place. And I think that one of the greatest changes is going from original justice to this original sin and how the, the, the reason really prevailed before the fall. You know, you yeah. could be smart about something and say, that's not wise to do, and then the will followed. And now after after the original sin, the will is what is leading. The reason says, that is a very dumb thing to do. Right. Do not do that. That will not be good for your relationships, won't be good for your marriage, won't be good for your career. And the will says, but I'm going to have I'm gonna have my way. That has messed up everything in our lives. And I can think of three major relationships that are really changed by this fall that we want to talk about today. One is the relationship with God. Uh, The second one, which is probably the, the one that most people can identify with, and that is our relationship with one another. I'm not the same guy I used to be. You know, if I could be Adam and then Adam before the fall and after the fall, I'll say I'm not the guy I used to be. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And then the relationship with creation, of course, the world and the environment that we're living in. But let's start with the relationship with God yeah. uh, as we're talking about this. What changed in our relationship with God after the fall?
0: Well, there was a there was a closeness. There was. Uh, a kind of a, a walking near you know, one another and a trust. And that God set this up, they were provided for, um, and they loved and served you know, one another. And and yet through that disobedience opened up distrust. Mm-hmm. And that relationship was ruptured. And I think it's well said where when the scripture says that they realized that they were naked. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a, a realizing that they didn't have clothes on, but there's something bigger there. There's this this sense that I'm not I'm exposed. I'm vulnerable. I'm I'm not safe anymore. And this this relationship that we had cannot be trusted and now I have to look out for myself and I have Mm -hmm. to protect myself from from you and from 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 God God. and this is a a scary place and that's not where things were originally but it all stemmed from that disobedience that led to
1: that uh, ongoing distrust. Well, I think about what, you know, what the enemy, the Nahash, the Nahash is the serpent, right. the, the Satan. He is the fallen one. And I think about what he said and what he sort of promised to Eve when he said, did God say you shall not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And she said, no, we can't eat from it. We can't even touch it lest we die. And the enemy says, no, you won't die. And then he sells them a bill of goods. Right. And that is, he knows. He, see, Eve, he's looking around. He see, God knows that the day you eat of it, you're going to be like him, yeah. knowing good and evil. Yeah. Now, once she took the fruit, there must have been a wake-up call to how she was feeling and how Adam was feeling, that the enemy said, I was going to be like God, knowing you know good and evil. I don't feel this way at all. In fact, I feel awful, yeah. like you said I feel vulnerable, yeah. and this isn't what the enemy promised. But that's the way the enemy deals with people today.
0: Yeah, there's there's lies, there's accusations, there's manipulation, and he usually goes right at who we are, and uh, sort of sows this this lie that that we that life won't be taken care of, mm-hmm. that that I am not a son of god and this happens you know to to me today that mm-hmm. that the, the enemy goes and accuses me and condemns me um, i might experience conviction from sin but the evil one uh, doesn't just stop there he goes right at who who i am and so his his words are destructive manipulative mm-hmm. and you know they tear us apart from the inside if we if we listen to them that's so
1: true what, what you're saying about the, the the attack on who you are because when you, when you see in the New Testament in Matthew 3 and Matthew 4, when Jesus uh, is baptized in Matthew 3 in chapter 4, he goes out into the wilderness. It's like the enemy has one shot at him here, yeah. or I should say three right. in the wilderness. And what does he do? He, he attacks. He says, if you are the son of God, then... And there's the attack. So what he's doing is he's questioning his identity, right. if you are the son of God. And that had, had to have played in. To Adam and Eve at that point, you know, uh, going after their identity as sons.
0: Yeah, because uh, ultimately, um, where where does sin sort of reside in my heart? Uh, In in through a belief that I'm not loved, uh, that I'm not cared for, and that God can't be trusted, and I need to make my own way. I'm Mm kind of here on my own. And uh, that's, that's sort of the, the lie of self-reliance. I even think today that kind of the idol of self-reliance and kind of the, our over-focus on self. Um, even for, for Christians, it's still something we,
1: we struggle with. Sure, let me just read that from, uh, from uh, Matthew chapter four. When Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was hungry, That is when the enemy, the tempter, comes and says, if you are the son of God, then perform. Do what I I tell you to do. But Jesus resists with the word of God. When he says, from Deuteronomy 8, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, while the, the, the original sin ends up in this ruptured relationship with God, uh, it is God's word. It is God's continuing plan that is actually going to be the solution yeah, for us. That's right, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful
0: solution. It's a, it's a place where relationships, where there can be hurt and wounds, but those relationships can be restored. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, 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 the, you know, the grace of Jesus can actually demonstrate first as the model for us yeah. um, of, of forgiveness and the model of, of laying your life down for someone else, but also that that restoration in relationship is possible. These wounds and these, bro- these, these things that are broken mm-hmm. don't have to have the final word, and that's what's amazing about what we see you know, in Jesus. You know,
1: I think about all of the people who are Living well, everybody after the fall, obviously, but they're living in that pocket that bad pocket of yeah can I trust God? will God clobber me? am I being punished the things that yeah. happen to my children is this the result of God what are you doing to me you know and there, there was this heresy that came out of the Middle ages called nominalism yeah. and nominalism was basically taught that that you cannot depend upon God. There are no universals. Yeah, the Bible says he is merciful and kind and his love is everlasting. But, Ryan, that can change. God can change. And he might not be that way with you in six months from now. I, I just talk to me about all of the people who are in that pocket right now saying, I don't know if I can trust God and how how am I ultimately going to do that?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Thank God, we have the testimony of, of the scriptures. That we have we have God's word. We have that the light and revelation of Jesus Christ. I think about the Old Testament. They they didn't they didn't have that light and revelation. You know that we see. Right. And here we have that gift, uh, God's eternal word, the gift of the church. Um, but we also have the witness of the lives of the saints. You know, for for every saint. You can see a life transformed that said, "I'm I'm gonna put my trust that God is real and that He's worth laying my entire life down for, and that He can bring healing, He can bring restoration and forgiveness." Um, and so, we for for every person that's out there, there's there's a saint, there's a story, there's an example that they too uh, mm-hmm. aren't too far gone, mm-hmm. and that uh, God. God loves us no matter where we are, yeah. and that the, the incarnation itself just demonstrates His pursuit. I think it's I think it's phenomenal to think about the the, the incarnation is just a ridiculous notion that that God would become a little baby yeah. out of out of and, th- and talk about vulnerability. Talk about you know being naked and 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 pr- yeah, right. trusting Himself to us to mary and joseph yeah. and um the the links that god has gone to demonstrate his love for us
1: are, are remarkable i like that uh, what you say just gives me the idea that you know in order for god to deal with our vulnerability he becomes vulnerable yeah you know he becomes vulnerable he takes on our sin he takes on he takes on our shame one of the things and we're going to be we're going to be seeing this in the uh in the shows that follow uh, we're going to see all throughout salvation history that God is going to reveal himself. Now, the original sin, uh, you are not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The enemy says uh, that when you eat of it, you will, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be like God. You can grasp this yourself, which didn't end up being uh, the result. But all throughout salvation history, God is going to begin to reveal himself more and more through, his, through two ways. One, covenants. Yeah. In a covenant, he, he brings us into a family relationship right. in the covenant. Uh, an oath is sworn. Family is the result. A bond is made. But he also reveals himself in his name. And all throughout salvation history, he reveals his name, Yahweh Tzidkenu, God is my righteousness, uh, at Mount Horeb. Uh, in, uh, in Genesis 22, when, I, 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 when uh, Abraham is about ready to sacrifice his son, God stops him. And the place is named Yahweh Yireh. God will provide. God is shepherd. God is my peace. So all the way through the through the Old Testament, we get a clear and clear understanding of who He is, mm. as we are facing this vulnerability and our distrust for God, and then finally the name above all names. Yes, yeah, that's right. Is given. And I love what Paul says to the Colossians that Jesus is basically He is He is the living icon. When you see Him, you see the Father, after all of this distrusting, after all of these challenges and, and hurdles to, to, to deal with in life, now we look at Jesus and we can say, "I know now, I know exactly what the Father is like. And, and uh, talk to talk to that for just a moment of you know, all the people who are trying to figure out who God is in their situation, which they are having a hard time trusting how does jesus become that which they are looking for yeah you know it's true i mean uh
0: god um, is pure spirit Mm -hmm. and and yet in the incarnation that all
1: changed Mm
0: -hmm. and um we we learn we learn by example, you know. Um, I am becoming much more, you know, like my parents than I would like to admit. It's just the older just, you get, it's huh? just inevitable. Yeah. You know, in fact, recently uh, someone commented how much my mom and I look like, and I said, I'm not sure what's worse that I look like a 82 year old woman or she looks like a 48 year old man
1: with a beard. <laughs> <That's
0: right. laughs> and so, you know, we do. We just start to take on mm-hmm. uh, th- those people that we spend time with, and yep. and Jesus has given us this model of a perfect human life and that he knows the depths of of what it means to be human mm-hmm. that we are known and that religion you know Catholicism isn't about like our stretching for god and trying to find something but it's him him coming down and getting into our deepest and darkest places mm-hmm. and um, that's that's, that's a leap, and I understand. There's a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness. We see it on college campuses. You see it all over, all over uh, the world, is that there's brokenness in families and brokenness personally, and, um, and yet Jesus, in fact, d- doesn't run away from that. He actually mm-hmm. runs towards that. I, I came um, you know, for the sick and mm-hmm. to seek and to save the lost. And I think in some ways, uh, people have had this wrong idea that I have to get cleaned up. I have to get all my life kind of straight. Good and right. enough. Right, you know, to be in relationship with God, which yeah. That's not the case. And so I do think there's a lot of misunderstanding out there and yet everything that he has done is a revelation yeah. of what the Father is like who is pure spirit mm-hmm. um, and, but now we can see and we can grab onto and then even, right. we wanna go one step further, the Eucharist, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it amazing that not only uh, is it true that the incarnation is, is part of our, our reality, um, we can receive Jesus himself in in the Holy Eucharist yeah. talk about vulnerable yeah
1: I, there's one scripture that I want to share you know and we're in the early world right now looking at relationships so we have the fall of of, of Adam and Eve uh, which is uh, is is, uh, is horrific because that fall is now transferred to the next generation yeah and to the next generation yeah and to the next generation. And God says in chapter three and verse 15, they call it the first good news, uh, that he's promising good news, there is an answer. And I think that that's an important thing for people to, to understand is that there is an answer to your separation from God, and that longing, the, the fall did not take the longing away. You still have that longing uh, to know the transcendent and who God is. And I love what it says in, in verse 15 of chapter 3. I'll put, God says to the, to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So, The answer even is dealing with a relationship, and that is there's gonna be enmity between you, serpent, and the woman. There's not gonna be this relationship, and there's gonna be a relationship change between your seed and her seed. The end is your head's gonna be crushed. And that's what we see with Jesus and and his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. But the relationship with God, the relationship that we have with God is the most important thing to heal yeah. right away. Right, That's the most important thing. If you try to heal relationships, spouse, children, the boss, yeah. distant relatives, whatever it might be, and you don't have that healed relationship with God, what does that look like from your experience? Well, it looks like uh, a lot of
0: kind of... Uh, fits and starts and it looks like a lot of um, I was hurt and then the other person says
1: so was it's I. okay <laughs> you, know, you know or they're yeah. like
0: they, they sort of like hey you know it's no big deal it is a big deal mm-hmm. um, the things that that one person does to another uh, do hurt and do break those bonds mm-hmm. um, and they shouldn't be shoved aside and so what I love about you know Christianity is it is it doesn't sidestep the effects of sin yeah. but that Jesus himself d- has dealt with it and then mm-hmm. gives us his, his own life in us to then lay our lives down and to sacrifice to let go to forgive so that that is what ultimately can restore relationships mm-hmm. it's not forgetting but it's it's dealing with forgiveness mm-hmm. and um, and so He doesn't just make relationships perfect again, but he makes the possibility, he gives us the possibility for restoration. Because apart apart from the gospel, apart from grace, apart from, from Jesus, relationships will inevitably, likely kind of come to an end, unless there's something that two people have in common they just enjoy as a hobby. But if you're in a real meaningful relationship, uh, in whether it's work or family and things, you're going to step on each other's toes, sure. and um, and Jesus allows for
1: restoration, and that hurts and wounds don't have to have the last word. Now you you have worked with uh, college students sure. for a long time, and you have seen trends come and go, and. Uh, And at the same time, you've seen the commonality among college students and what they're going through when it comes to relationships. Talk to me about where are young people today? What are the the key relational issues that are facing them, both with family, with peers, um, with themselves? Yeah. You know, it's not a hidden fact
0: that anxiety um depression um you know struggles with mental health are just rocketing mm-hmm. and um and you're not kidding about that are i mean it is rocketing. it is literally it is it's yeah. an epidemic it's it's um and then of course covid was like you know just sort of threw fuel on that fire because it, it it's literally separated us it mm-hmm. forced us into a certain separation yeah and it it did something to a whole generation of high, middle school, high school, now, and now college students, mm-hmm. who um, existed for a long time apart from those critical bonds. You know, uh, I wish that my teenagers uh, enjoyed spending as much time with me as they do their their friends, but. That's the time period in life where you're kind of moving out of those relationships with family. Hopefully, those are strong and stable, and you're moving into peer relationships. And you're starting to think about what's my life going to be all about. Mm. Um, what am I? What am I here to do? And and you know you ha- they have some big choices. Um, who am I? Um, what am I going to do? And who am I going to spend my life with? And college is kind of that time to sort it out and. We, in SPO, we found that, you know, we wanted to start by building a community of people. And so we had households of men and households of women, but they weren't just existing for themselves, they were existing to be centers for mission, mm-hmm. to continue to kind of extend relationships and a place where anybody could belong. And then in that, in that strength of those relationships, um, they can then hear the gospel. They can better understand who they are and what God has done for them. And then the example of, of peers to kind of move together towards a, a goal. Um, it's hard to go against the stream uh, for any young person, mm-hmm. but uh, to be a Christian uh, you know, between the ages of 18 and 25, I don't think it's possible to live it fully Without others, yeah, and uh, that's just a, a critical piece, and and so there's a lot of hurt, um, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of pressure to succeed. Um, they're worried about a, a, a down economy for instance mm-hmm. you know um, will this you know college degree actually get me a job that I can now pay off my my loans mm-hmm. so they've got pressure coming from high school pressure to succeed where do I fit in who am I what am I on earth to do that's a lot to process sure. and oftentimes far away from other stable relationships I think of my son right now who's who's just entering college I just dropped him off um, I was a lot more emotional than I, <laughs> I thought I would be. Sure. Um, but having spent the last 25 years working with college students, I've seen it go well and I've seen it not go well. Mm-hmm. I know some of the, those challenges, but it's a beautiful place uh, for, for the gospel to come to life because it creates that
1: foundation. That's what we all need. We all need that. What do you think? Uh, what do you think that uh, smartphones, social media, uh, yeah. The internet. What has that done yeah. uh, f- for relationships? Because you're old enough to know a life without that. Yes, thankfully. And yeah. and now you know it, and you're observing, yeah. you're counseling, you're listening. Yeah. What has this done to us, related to the fall?
0: Yeah. Well, what I think it's done is just further. It's further focused us inward. Mm-hmm. It's further kind of focused us on it's amazing how the any social media algorithm wants. It just gives you more and more of what you want. What? You know. And so it's endless. Mm-hmm. But what's also amazing, you pair that that sort of hyper focus on on me and what I'm looking for with also a generation because of the noise that also lacks a tremendous amount of self awareness. So has there ever been a generation that's so kind of focused on self but not focused on their interior selves, mm. who don't know themselves. And I think that's actually, that's a really dangerous combination, that mm. self-focus that the, the phone just feeds, but they're also not ever-present to themselves, yeah. and that's a real Let's concern. Let's
1: go over that just um, uh, another, uh, one more time here, because I think you hit on something there that is, is so important, that you can be so focused on yourself, and at the same time, missing the most important thing about yourself. Yes, and it's that interior life. What mm-hmm. if you
0: don't experience silence? Uh, <laughs> I, I only know that's, that pray, prayer and silence, that's, that's, that's where it happens. I can't pray when I'm scrolling through social media. Right. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't be attentive to myself, much
1: less God, yeah. it, with all of the distractions that come. This isn't this is what you're talking about, is it's you're painting a picture that is 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 true but scary. It and is. that is that I am so focused on myself, yet I cannot I cannot notice the most important thing about myself. And third, I don't want to be with myself in quiet. That's right. And silence. That's right. That is the making for a disaster and for going after anything that will bring the noise back or uh, validate yourself in 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 some way and leave no room for the searching of the soul for right. real
0: answers right and you know as long as you have that phone or the screen and, and i experience it my i know it now from within sure but i also th- i'm so grateful that i had you know, years in a sense without that distraction to learn the goodness of silence. One of the best homilies I ever heard was from Bishop Cousins where he spoke to um, a group of 400 college students and his challenge was, spend 30 minutes a day this year in silence. And you just know that that was gonna be quite a hill to climb, but what a payoff if people sure. would do it. And I know when I go into my prayer time, I have to put on, do not disturb. I have to you know, put away the phone because it'll come after you, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so now we have to kind of make these adjustments to ensure that I can get to a quiet place, because that's what Jesus said, you know? Go, mm-hmm. go into your room, shut the door, and spend time in quiet with your heavenly Father. What would you say
1: to parents who their, their kids are in college now, high school, gonna be in college, and a lot of parents feel like, man, I just don't understand where young people are at today. I don't know why they do what they do, even though their parents didn't understand yeah. them yeah. back in the 60s and the 70s yeah. and the 80s. But what would you say to parents of these young people in college that are struggling with the the effects of the fall and this... Uh, this uh, lack of understanding of themselves. Yeah,
0: I think one is is, you know, just to acknowledge that these technologies, for instance, they're here with they're here to stay. Yeah, um, we're we're not going back, and or at least no time soon. Um, but to engage them in conversation, uh, not just not just about stop doing this, but encouraging them to kind of take time away, to build time in their lives, you know. Um, around the dinner table that the, you know that the phones are set aside mm-hmm. and, and that they're kind of phone phone free times, especially as they're younger um, but just to engage in relationship, to engage in conversation, uh, to encourage the phones to be set aside and to ask bigger questions right. um, and I think that's you know we're, we're not we're not going to sort of compete you know with the phone but love and care and curiosity without a sense of like condemning or what you're doing is bad or wrong yeah. uh, this they don't know anything different you know it'd be uh, it, they don't understand what what the grown-ups are all you know sort of frustrated about but we've seen mm-hmm. a different way of being and we there are things that we should lament that we are missing and that they're missing out mm-hmm. and so i think there's i think there's a way of trying to affirm you know, you're you're searching, you're looking for things. Or the other thing too is ask, ask your son or daughter, what is it, what is it that, you know, who are your favorite YouTubers, you know? Ask those questions. What is it that you enjoy about them? What are you learning? Because the truth is, and, and I don't think this is, I would say for better or worse, and I don't think it's for better, that's where many people's formation is happening. Mm-hmm. Look at, you look at their, who they subscribe to or who they watch on YouTube, hours and hours and hours are being that's where
1: their formation is happening i call them pop formators yeah you know there's pop formators out there who are attempting to give meaning to their lives let's isolate music for a moment yeah because uh music says a lot about the generation that is interested in the music and like us wanting to To uh, to see more videos about things that we're interested in, music also reflects the generation, and we hear in the words and and uh, the melodies something of the angst of the heart. What is the song of today? What are people singing about that reflects this brokenness in our lives? You know, me my me myself and I. (laughs) You know,
0: and um, and yet I mentioned mental health, but there are so many different. You know, artists. I think of, of of Juice World or NF, and these are you know kind of one's a Christian, the other one's not. But but so there's much more a sense of bringing kind of their their hurts and their pain and uh, kind of a focus on myself. It isn't sort of looking out and telling stories mm-hmm. like the you know some of the great songs from previous generations, but it's really a, a cry of this generation to to be known. Uh, To be to be cared for Mm -hmm. and it's a cry for help in the sense that they're they're hurting and You listen to the music and it's it's very much um, They're just narrating in a sense whatever that inner life looks and sounds like. Sure. So if you wanna know what is going through the minds of, of young, young people today, if you can stand it, you know, turn on, turn on uh, you know, Spotify and, and look for what's popular mm-hmm. and you'll hear, the, you'll hear the cries of this generation.
1: I think that's an interesting exercise for parents to yeah. do or grandparents yeah. is to take the time and someone may say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be listening to that. Well, do you want to know what they're going yeah. through and thinking? Yeah. Take the time yeah. to listen about a broken heart, yeah. about nobody cares about me. I'm not good enough. I'm, not, uh, I'm too ugly, you yeah. know, or whatever it might, it might, might be. Uh, yeah. And I can think of a number of songs. I'm not going to sing them, yeah. but I can think of a number of songs that I've heard in the last year or so that are a desperate cry yeah. for wholeness. Yeah. Well, and you know what we
0: did? My wife and I, I don't know if this would scandalize anybody, but we would allow our kids to play what they wanted mm-hmm. as long as we could have a conversation with them about the lyrics that we heard mm-hmm. and, and we heard all sorts of things that I would never listen to myself, and it, break, it would break my heart even as I would, as I would hear it. but I said' that's, that's fine if, if you want because I know I played those songs when I was younger, but it was away from you know my family but Mm-hmm. We, we've, we've tried to bring these kinds of things that they're, that they're interested in, that they think is cool or whatever. And we said, yeah, you can listen to it if we're in the car, but, but as long as we can ask you questions about it. And that kind of has opened up some, some trust and some neat ways to connect with where
1: this generation is. What's another example of the brokenness of, of people today with without God as a result of original yeah. sin? What are other manifestations of the cry To be whole, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I I think there's a, you know, Augustine and others have commented that there's a a a God-sized hole in each Mm -hmm. in every one of us, and so I think what we often see is relationships focusing more on what's in it for me, Mm -hmm. kind of taking rather than you know I'm trying I'm I'm empty, um, and I I need to fill. I need to fill this emptiness in some way, sure. and so I'm, I'm kind of looking. I'm looking out for what's what's in it for me in this relationship. romantically, it could be you know kind of clout or social acceptance, um, networking. Even you know, I've got I'm kind of grinding to kind of get ahead in my career, and I'm going to use relationships as a means to mm. that end. Yeah. And so relationships function that way as a means. So a relationship could be the
1: the something that you use to
0: find security. Yes, and to gain security, yeah. and to and to feel okay about yourself. So people are expendable to a degree, For, as long as un, until unless they're, if they're fulfilling that need in you, it, it's working. If it's not, you know, they can be discarded. You know, somebody gets ghosted. You you text them, and you don't, they don't. They don't shoot you back,
1: you know. Tell our, our viewers, uh,
0: Grandma and Grandpa, what ghosting is. <laughs> ghosting would would simply be, you know, you send a, a you call or a text, and as as you know, teenagers say today, they, they leave you on read, meaning you can see that they read the message. That's what's they, going on. But they don't respond, and so <laughs> that's uh, that's a terrible feeling. And and my, my kids talk about that a lot. That yeah. that. That I, I just got ghosted, yeah. you know and because relationships aren't primarily now, relationships are just as much a virtual thing mm-hmm. as, an, as an in-person thing. Uh, I don't fundamentally think about relationships through a virtual lens, uh, whereas you know young people today, that's just as real to them as in-person relationships are for us. so um, you throw something
1: out if they don't respond immediately, yeah, I've already got that. you know that's I get a- questions people ask me questions on either text or email and you know sometimes they're pretty lengthy questions that I can't get to right away. and sometimes people within an hour are upset, sure that you did not give me what I wanted in my time frame, yeah and uh, to which I. Ghost them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I leave them on red at yeah, that point. There you go. I mean mm. you can't you you literally we, you know we weren't uh
0: you can't you can't deal with the volume of yeah. of of activity at that kind of rate. You Let know? me ask you this. Does God ghost people? No. But I'm sure at times it feels like it mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that that sense that that God isn't there. I'm not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. Uh uh it doesn't seem like I, anybody's on the other line right um, I'm sure that people feel that um, it doesn't make it true, both in the experience of people who who have a close relationship with God and those who maybe don't have one at all you know we've all We all have a sense of of sometimes there's this closeness, this sense that that i'm reading god 's word and it's just jumping off the page or we we feel something um but those, those are our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God doesn't ghost us.
1: Right. Um, How do the sacraments play into this? Yeah. Uh, the restoration of the relationship, yeah. not only between ourselves and God, but our relationship with each other. Yeah.
0: I know um, I walked away from the church um, about three weeks into college.
1: Typical time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I had gone to Mass every day of my life. Not Every day. Every week of my life, I've told you uh, a million times, don't <laughs> lie. <laughs> and um, until that third week, I thought nobody's nobody's checking on me, and yeah. I'm gonna hang out late on Saturday night. It's a drag to get up, so I I, I kind of quietly drifted, you know, out the back door. But it wasn't until I had I heard the gospel preached again a few years later. Um, that I would love, that I had to love the Lord with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I just hungered for that kind of relationship with God. And it was going back to the sacraments that, um, you know, I felt like I had been watching this small black and white television in terms of my relationship with God. And through that, hearing the gospel and saying yes and turning away from my sin, I, you couldn't get me back to the sacraments quicker. Mm-hmm to go to
1: confession and yeah. to know that I know that I know. In some ways, you could say that the the answer to somebody who thinks that God may be ghosting them or leaving them unread, yeah. so to speak, yeah. is the sacraments. It is. And that when you go into that confessional, you suddenly realize, he wasn't ghosting me. No. And I can really hear. Yep. I forgive you, yeah. rather than it's back to me in the yeah. silence of my yeah. own heart, and I hope I'm forgiven. And yeah. But you can actually be in that relationship in the sacraments, because that's what the sacraments are. Yes. It's not a theory. No. It is a relationship. It's a guaranteed encounter with Jesus. There's
0: nothing better than the words of absolution, mm-hmm. um, and it it is a... a there, there's no other experience of, of freedom and of that again i 'm coming back to to who God made me to be uh, his son in mm-hmm. in relationship with him and that that's I, I remember on my 21st birthday I happened to go to confession on my 21st birthday and the priest commented he says there 's only two sacraments you can receive if you want every day of your life Eucharist and, and confession mm-hmm. and I never forgot that and meaning it is always available available yeah fresh yeah and silence right that's the place you you can go into a church unless they're putting up some flowers and changing some things you know it's a quiet place yeah what a beautiful place let me
1: let me touch on this or i ask you to touch on this topic that is it's a hot button these days and and let me just say before we we talk about we love everybody yeah. We love everybody. We don't agree necessarily with how people ex- are trying to express the truth of who they are, yeah. uh, but we don't reject you know, mm-hmm. people. And I'm thinking of the, the whole issue of gender mm-hmm. these days. Mm-hmm. This, this is so out there in the news on a nightly basis, yet it's something that we almost are being taught, do not discuss it. Do not bring it up. Just accept it, and there's something about that that doesn't ring true. It doesn't ring good to to expect that we're not going to talk about that and talk about what your very identity as to who you are. What are you hearing out there among young adults? Yeah,
0: I you know in the last five, six, seven years, um, this this has sort of exploded. Yes. And um, it's coming from what I experience is it's coming from a a, a real dissonance in in people. I, I, I don't think they're they're not choosing this or not, there's some dissonance that they are experiencing mm-hmm. um, in in themselves, and you know then then they start to move to these conclusions that. I am not. I'm. I am not what my body says mm-hmm. that I am. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that the further people get away um, from themselves in terms of their own reflection, maybe their their own dealing with hurts and pains uh, from from life, growing up, disappointments, and so on, um, it may feel better to think about. There, there's another. There's the grass has to be greener over here, and this is gonna kind of take care of it. And I think that's what I've experienced is that so often it's 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 associated with with a genuine cry right. within uh, within the human heart that um, there there's something hasn't been fully addressed um, and. Like 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 anything over time, people will go and look for available options. And again, the the pop formators, you know, there's 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 millions and millions of things that teenagers are watching. That's that's affirming that. That's right. proposing that. That's and and this just happens to be something that the broader culture is tending to jump on and, and, and
1: invalidate. Well, while I'm a man, you're a man, mm-hmm. uh, your wife is a woman, my wife is a woman, ultimately my identity, my gender is is very important. I am a man. Yes. I'm a son. Yeah. I'm a father. Uh, but ultimately, my identity goes even beyond my gender into I'm a son yeah. of God. I am... I am created by God. My relationship is measured by my relationship with God and who he, he created. In some ways, and I, and I say this with, with a, a compassionate heart, yeah. in some ways, the, the need to identify myself in terms of gender uh, I- issues is very similar to the fall in the Garden of Eden yeah. to where I will decide. Yeah. I will yep. decide my truth. I will decide who ultimately yeah. i am i will grasp for that which i believe is beautiful and tasty and makes makes one wise and it is in some ways the garden over again but the problem with the garden over again is that i find myself in the same situation with those results yeah. of i'm lost yeah. because the 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 answer is god yeah. the answer is Jesus, who God has become flesh, He has yeah. become one of us. Right. Ultimately, that is the answer. And I hear people discussing all of these issues, whether it's gender, race, or whatever it might be. But the and these are very important. But the ultimate answer is in Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. what we believe right. as as Catholics as Christians. Right. Yeah, I heard a
0: theologian say once. You know, there are kind of two ways of of going about life. Uh, that it's something that we determine or we discover. And there's a givenness to, to this world that we discover mm-hmm. not so much our, 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 identi- our gender. We get to decide, you know, do we determine things? Am I the one that sort of, is the master of my universe or is there the way that things are and we discover the creator, mm-hmm. we discover the, the reality that has come before us. Yeah. And I, I love that distinction between determining mm-hmm. uh, on my own and discovering what is. There's yeah. There tends to be a, um, a almost a disconnect from reality and again, like you said, my, my heart breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, I know. I know in my own life, um, you know, uh, a, as a man, you know, that's that's not one solid thing. There's not one size that fits all, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's uh, it's difficult to to sort of figure these things out. Right. And, but I think you you've you
1: know, given you've gave us there in the determining or de- or discovering, you've given us I think a, a tool that breaks us free from Adam and Eve's. Uh, I'll determine. That's right. Clearly, that was the result. Original sin is the result of I will determine yes. instead of I will discover yes. who God is by being obedient to God. Yeah. And in the in the discovery phase of yeah. being obedient with God, I understand more clearly who I really yeah. who I really am. And separating yourself from God, good luck. Yeah. Good well, luck. And it takes it takes humility. Yeah. You know, to
0: to take a posture that that wasn't what was present you know in the garden that humility that, that sense of no this you you don't have my best interest in mind and 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 there was this grasping you mm-hmm. know and rather than waiting and discovering and trusting we get impatient and, and we are we are hurting and we're ready for answers mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of people say I'll, I'll try about anything
1: sure and, and they mean it yep they mean it well the thing about uh the the thing about discovering uh, is that God is discoverable? Yes, He yes. has made Himself yes. discoverable. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, and so I would just encourage you know our wonderful friends that are with us on the show that if you're in that place right now that you would discover what God has for you rather than to say I will determine what I will be and what truth is uh for me it is clearly not working yeah
0: well i love i love the idea that you know reason can tell us that that god exists but revelation can show us what Mm. god is like yeah and and we have that we have the witness of the scriptures we have the witness of the church witness of the saints even the witness of the sacraments themselves Mm -hmm. is is evidence of what
1: god is like Mm. and we can discover him in in those places going beyond the broken relationship with god which is mended it is made whole in jesus christ the using of one another uh, the the brokenness between us is is healed with christ mm-hmm. because we see each other differently through the lens of christ but even our relationship with this planet yeah that's become a big issue now is that yeah the healing of the planet is almost a gospel and i'm not saying we shouldn't take care of the planet and we shouldn't be responsible and use things in a um in in a in a in a way that honors god's creation but it almost has risen to a religion yeah the planet if i can't be whole I want to make sure the Earth is whole. Yes. You know, I'm, that's where right. I, my energy is going to be on yeah. making sure that this this planet's whole. Well, and it's it's always you know cho-
0: choosing. We we tend to choose created goods over the Creator. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know the created good can sort of. Come to the forefront, and the Creator can be sort of forgotten. And I think that's where we where we tend to go off. Mm-hmm. God has given us an incredible creation itself is is the first gospel to reveal mm-hmm. and and show forth uh, God's glory, but it isn't God. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yet we have this call to to stewardship, um, and 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 great care. And the resources are are rich, and they're not going to. They're not going to last forever, so there is an important stewardship there, mm-hmm. um, and yet they 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 aren't the maker. They they still
1: are part of His creation. Yeah. So in the broken relationship with God, we hide. With the broken relationship with each other, we use each other, uh, abuse each other. And our our relationship with creation is that we take advantage of it for ourselves. We eat up the resources. We throw our garbage out there. We don't have any regard for it. Now, if God did create the world which we believe... And this is a masterpiece. Yes. Uh, you know, My wife and I sometimes in the morning, we get up early in the morning for prayer and we open up the, the blinds and we look out to the west and we see this, the, the moon in the sky and the, the world is, is becoming brighter and brighter as the morning grows. And we're in awe of yes. God's creation. But God's creation... The gift of creation and the gift and the beauty of the world is always tied back to the gift giver. Yeah. It's always tied back rather than all of that is tied into my dream yeah. and what I want, yeah. and it's expendable. Yeah. And you know what? If we mess around with this planet and, and if we use it up, well, Ryan, we've got Mars out there. <laughs> we, <laughs> we've got Mars out there. We've got the Moon out there. We can go and mess those up too, you know. But sooner or later, the the Psalms are filled with this. Yeah. David would yeah. look up at the stars. Yeah. He would look at the beauty of the world, and it, it brought him to a sense of, oh, yeah. God, yeah. rather than hmm. I think I can do something yeah. with, you know, with this. So all three of these relationships changed with the fall. Wrapping this this segment up, encourage people who are struggling with this right now. Yeah. What is the solution to all of this? Yeah.
0: You know, I think the the first thing I would say is is find a quiet place mm-hmm. and to open to open up the scriptures. Uh, spend time in in the New Testament spend time in the Psalms mm-hmm. pray pray like Jesus did and um, to get a consistent time for quiet mm-hmm. um, and then if it's been some time since if you're a baptized Catholic uh, come back to the sacraments come back to the the gift that repairs and restores that the relationship, relationship. Yeah. and and be honest there um, there's great God God, you know, God's heard it all, of course, but so has your priest. <laughs> you know, um, you're, you're not going to shock him, and um, in some ways, uh, it's it's unremark- Sin is actually quite unremarkable, uh, but have have the have the courage and hope to move toward that sacra- Those sacraments that are available every day, mm-hmm. and so that that would be some of my encouragement. But but don't leave it at that, because we're not going to do this alone. Um, this isn't gonna work, there, there are people, not far from you, wherever you may be, who um, are hungry for relationship too and find ways to make those connections. But allow the, the church to be a place where you begin to explore that. Mm-hmm. And sign up for that one thing that, that maybe feels a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That might be the next step. Where do I feel a little uncomfortable I'm gonna do that yeah. and just watch God reveal himself uh, and you discover with some humility who he is and what he wants. I
1: love the thought of uh, how do we heal the broken relationships? We heal the broken relationships by entering into the right relationship yeah. which is Jesus and that is what bridges this gap between us and God and each other yeah. and even, even the, uh, the planet and I know that your life testimony, mine and many others, and a lot of the guests that we're going to have on this, on this show, all attest to the fact that God puts lives back together. He, he puts marriages back together. He brings a father and son back together. Mm-hmm. And these are, these are beautiful things. The world is striking out. And we have this. We have this this great gift. Yeah. So I really appreciate you sharing those things. We're going to take a break. And after we take a break, when we come back, we're going to get to know you a little bit better as far as your relationship with the Word of God, because that's what this is all about. Every show, we want to learn a little bit about our, uh, our guests. And then we'll get on to some of the questions that you have. You are watching the Bible Timeline Show. What if you had a doctor who you could really trust? someone who made decisions based on science, not politics, a doctor that meets you where you are in your suffering, a doctor who understands the role of your faith in your health and treats the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. For more than 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has answered the call of Jesus Christ in Luke 10, 9, to cure the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God is near. At My Catholic Doctor, they continue this 2,000 year tradition of the healing ministry of Jesus Christ while utilizing cutting edge technology and modern healthcare. They accept almost every major insurance plan in the United States and offer low self pay rates. They offer a variety of different services such as virtual primary care, male and female fertility care, functional medicine, mental health, urgent care on demand with no appointment necessary and much more. My Catholic doctor is committed to making authentic pro-life Catholic health care accessible to all. Visit www.mycatholicdoctor.com today to make an appointment or to get seen now welcome back to the bible timeline show my guest is ryan o'hara been working with spo for how many years 15 15 years 15 years and now you're speaking you're doing all kinds of stuff now
0: yeah yeah speaking and uh teaching and running a podcast and Uh, but also getting closer into some things that the Lord has invited our family into Mm -hmm. being closer to the poor and marginalized and and serving them in our Talk about
1: that for a minute, because that intrigued me when we were talking before that you have quite a family, and your family is quite a family in opening your doors up to anyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, those who are kind of families and... Young adults, teenagers in crisis, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we we heard a call to foster care and adoption many years ago. We weren't able to have kids of our own, Mm -hmm. Uh, and yet, you know, as all Catholic couples do on their wedding day, we said that we'd be open, you know, to kids. And so, we uh, wanted to pursue that, and foster care was the kind of the the call for us. Mm -hmm. And so, thirteen kids came through our home in the mid two thousands, and four stuck around forever. Um, but in doing that, we we got engaged with what the experience of of kind of families in crisis looked mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and just you know gained a real heart for the struggles and accompanying those families because the goal of foster care is family reunification. Mm-hmm. and um, and that happened in many instances, but in a few it didn't. They became a part of our family. but now we are trying to come alongside families who are struggling. We're not foster family we're not foster light we're not licensed as foster parents nowadays but we've just kind of taken that on as a way of being a family and sure. uh, kind of on the lookout for for folks who um, could use some support and even you know teenagers or young adults who are kind of in some unstable living situations mm-hmm. to open our home we have a you know big home in the in
1: the suburbs, Grand and Central let's, Station. Let's let's make use of it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk about you and the Bible. You know, the Great Adventure and the Bible timeline yeah. uh, are are known as uh, the way to get through the story, understand salvation history, to uh, get involved with being in the story, you know, ourselves. But our, our friends always wanna know how you relate, how do our guests, so and we're gonna do this with everybody. Yeah. We're gonna find yeah. out how do you relate to the Word of God. Tell me about your journey, first of all, your journey with the Bible.
0: Yeah, well, I, I experienced this conversion uh, in college, and one of the first things I, I started to gravitate to uh, were the scriptures. And as a, as a Catholic, I had gone to Catholic school, you know, K through 12, and um, was involved in the scriptures, you know, in, in class, but it wasn't ever a part of my life mm-hmm. outside of class or outside of Mass. Personally. Yeah. So I got a Bible. In fact, my, for graduation, as my, my conversion happened right around uh, graduation of, uh, from college, and my aunt, who is a, a strong Christian, gave me a Bible as a graduation gift. But also, my closest friend gave me this um, like 14-week workbook, uh, it was called Experiencing God, and it wasn't written by Catholic authors, but it was helping people kind of discover the will of God in their life, it was this beautiful thing, and he said, I'll never forget what he said, he gave me this workbook and he said, be careful with this, this might just change your life. <laughs> and he was right, because what it did was it it brought me into daily contact mm-hmm. with meaningful kind of daily regular contact with the scriptures and I had never experienced that before and it kind of walked me through a relationship with God and discovering who he was and growing in relationship with him and Mm -hmm. discovering kind of maybe what what God has put me on earth to do and I started asking those questions I had never done that before and so that began um, a relationship that has in in a sense never ended and the scripture has been um, I couldn't imagine my prayer life without scripture it's just they're kind of one and the same there's always a connection there and so nowadays it's mostly you know spending time in the in the lectionary and praying through the daily readings it's mm-hmm. kind of the primary way and then of course there's the study and and all sorts of things and when i got my master's degree in theology there was a lot of time studying there but also now as i'm giving talks yeah. it's it's a regular part of it you mentioned
1: the readings of the liturgy and a lot of people are not aware of the fact that that there is a cycle. We have three yeah. cycles, A, B, and C. Yeah. And uh, over a three-year period, we get all of the important parts, all, yeah. all of the major characters the and events in salvation yeah. history. And so it's like the church is taking care of you. But I, I am amazed still how many people I run into who were not aware that there was a method to the not madness, but right. the, the genius, the method yeah. to the genius. And that is that the liturgical calendar is the life of Jesus laid down in a calendar. right? And we're going and we're conforming our life to Jesus. Yeah. And that sounds like that's what you do. That's what we do, my wife yeah. and I, every morning. We read the readings of the day, and then we meditate on those, hours. Yeah. So, So is, are you in Scripture every day? Yeah, every every day. Um, it's just been...
0: I, what I usually do, and I have a journal here that I that I use and a in a, in a pen. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll read through all uh, you know. I'll read through the first reading, the psalm, and the gospel for the for daily mass, and then the four readings on on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then I'll stop when a line or two sticks out, and then I take that line and I write it down, double spaced, in my journal. And then I do a much more kind of close reading of a consideration of that passage. Mm-hmm. And that's just been the the rhythm for, for many years now, um, reading it and then beginning to meditate on it and then talking with God about yeah. what he's showing me um, and, then, and then resting and taking some time for silence and quiet and just listening. So this
1: is what you have to write down. I'm not going to look in there. <laughs> this is what you have with your Bible, and this is something you're writing down what? You're writing out just insights? So or? what I'm writing down is, let's say
0: as I'm, as I'm going through the gospel, uh-huh. and there's a particular line that stops me and you know, focus on, um, you know, uh, you know, what would it be? John three sixteen. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And maybe it's even just gave his only son. And then I'll go into my journal and write that down. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it takes up about half the page, I'll usually I leave space. I double space it, uh-huh. so I have places where I can write. And I use my. It's kind of goofy, but I've developed a little system, even with my pen here. Um, that each colors. color, each color means something. So blue is where there's like interesting insights, mm-hmm. uh, something you know lists or something that stands out as unique. Green is like if. If it seems like this is something you know, green means go. So if this is something I want to incorporate in my life that God says do this, I highlight that in green. I do the same thing. Do you? Green is go. Green yeah. is do this. Yeah. Red is do not do. Exactly. This. That's yeah. exactly what I do. So red is something to avoid, a, a, a way not to live. Mm-hmm. You know. So I want to take note of the greens and the reds. And then black has actually been fun. This is my what I write my prayer in. I kind of write my prayer response. So God God speaks to me, and I'm listening, I'm meditating, Mm -hmm. and then I want to make a response, and I usually just write that out in black. But the other thing I do with this is um, I love love a thesaurus, a great thesaurus. I love words, and I love synonyms. So one of the ways that the Lord has spoken to me in scripture is um, just take the word abide. You know, Mm -hmm. abide in me. Um, if the word abide sticks out at me, a lot of times I'll try to come up with five or six other words that are similar mm-hmm. to the word abide. It just helps me to hear, um, stay close to me, be near to me, um, remain in me. You know, sure. um, and so it just kind of kind of helps me to put the scriptures in words that I use, and allows me to hear God speak to me in that way. So. That's also how I use this this black uh, this black pen is where I write all my synonyms
1: mm-hmm. for some of the words that I write down in that's my journal. It's nice to know, and we're looking forward to hearing how all of our guests are relating. Yeah, because people want to yeah. know. You know, it's one thing to say, "Hey, study the Bible. You got to pray more," and they're like, Whoa, "What do I do?" Yeah, and how do you do? Yeah, you know, and that's what I that's do. That's mentoring. Yeah, you know? that's mentoring. I have. Uh, Father Mike and I, we talk about the Insight Journal that Ascension has that we developed—an uh, Insight Journal to keep track of the gold. You know, the re- yes. the things we w- we don't ever want to lose that. Yeah. But I have on a regular basis too. Just the thing I'll carry around with the moleskin, like you, yeah. little thin ones though. Yeah. And uh, and I'll get an idea and I just I write it down. You know, wherever I'm at, I'll write it down. And uh, that's a good it's a good thing to to get into is the habit of writing down the things that you feel God is saying to you not just fleeting thoughts and oh that was cool but to take custody of it.
0: Well, that's right. And I have a I have a, I can go back. I have a rec- this many years uh, back I can go and I can see kind of evidence of God's activity in my life over many years. Yeah. And it's re- I I keep all of the journals. This is just one of them and and I can see the movements of my heart. I can see those things I was concerned about. I can see mm-hmm. the way that God was inspiring me to
1: trust Him yeah. more. And uh, you it's know powerful. what some people do on these is they will take uh, like a, a silver marker or something or black, and they'll write the year on it. Yeah, 2023. And you'd be surprised after 15 years, you start looking at your yeah. your bookshelf and you've got all of these memories yes. that God has, has spoken to you in a beautiful, beautiful way. Well. And so. we also know that in the
0: future, I know, you know, um, like the scripture says, uh, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah. Uh, but take courage. I've overcome the world. And this helps remind me of the fact that, that he has been with me through, yeah. through trouble, and in the future, he will be, too. Do
1: you have any favorite, favorite verses or a life verse yeah. or a verse that says, this is Ryan? Omer.
0: Yeah, I have been... Um, my my grandfather, I didn't know him well. He died when I was five years old. My grandfather on my mom's side, he was a worrier. My mom was a worrier. I'm a worrier, and so uh, my wife and I at our wedding uh, had Matthew six thirty three, that piece that begins, you know, do not worry about your life, mm-hmm. um, and look at the lilies of the field and the the, the birds of the air. Um, how much more will God take care of you? And seek first. That's the verse, Matthew six thirty three. Mm-hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, all these other things you're worried about will be added to you as well. Um, and so seek first the kingdom of God. That's really been kind of a mantra for sure. our life. And um, I, I hold that verse as, as a dear one. Proverbs 3, 5, five to six, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. That's a, another verse, they kind of go
1: together. Yeah, you know? oh that's good. Yeah. That's good. It's, I think it's good to have a life verse. You know, it's good to to have a scripture that that you can continually go back to, mm-hmm. and it acts as an anchor. And if it's a if it's the type of scripture like you're mentioning, it can be applied to so many different areas. You know, of of, of your life. Now, I want to know who do you identify with in the Bible? Is there one person that you'd say that's the one I identify with? Now, you are. If I were to say, I would say, you know that. David is described as ruddy. I mm-hmm. see. That's kind of the mm. rusty. You think so? Yeah, Thank a little you. bit of a yeah. an Irish Scottish. He uh, he killed bears with his hands. Yes, you know? he did. But that's <laughs> not the one you identify with. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who do you identify yeah. with? You know, now? it's funny. I as I, as I thought about this, I I actually um, this will be a little bit of a different thought. I think, uh, two the elder son and the rich young man. Mm there's a way in which I, I, I feel very much, I identify with what they're bringing to the table. Um, I'm, I'm an oldest son. Uh, I never got in trouble growing up. I sort of always was meeting people's expectations. And there's a certain way in which the gospel turns that on its head. Mm-hmm. And, and so while I don't think I, I've gone away sad um or i've sort of ignored the fact that god has been with me always it's a reminder that if i'm not careful i'll i'll tend to move towards that resentment of the older son or i'll move towards kind of hold the holding back of the rich young man because i look at all these things i've already accomplished you know and so yeah that's uh, as i reflected on it i uh in kind of a from a negative point of view i think that's actually interesting something that has has been a a lifelong challenge is to to move away from that kind of natural inclination to achieve and to be good enough right. apart from
1: grace. You know. That's good. You ready for some questions? I think so. All right. So we have we have questions. You know that uh, Father Father Mike and I, when we were working on uh, Bible in a Year, every week I would have uh, questions, and we were on Facebook and. Uh, answering questions that people had. In fact, that's that's still available on the Bible in a Year channel. And uh, so many of the questions we just didn't weren't able to get to all of them. So sure. some of those we have here, and then we have some that are just so good we might might repeat. So we do have some listener questions right now. And the first one from Francis: Is the Garden of Eden a real place? Great question because that is at the center of the early world, particularly the first, uh, the first part of it, the Garden of Eden, was it a real place? Have you been there? Not that I know of. Okay, maybe I'll take that one then. <laughs> <laughs> the Garden of Eden, is it a real place? Yes, it is a real place. It is believed to be in Iraq today, the, uh, the country of Iraq. And when you think of the Garden of Eden, you're thinking of a place that is like Paradise, absolutely paradise. But if you were to go there today, it would be anything but paradise. Uh, Life has changed the Garden of Eden. It has changed the Garden of Eden. What took place there changed us, as we have been talking about. It also changed the landscape of the Garden of Eden. And so, yes, it's believed that it's in that area. Uh, I have not been there myself, uh, but I'll tell you what, I have been there Every single day that I am given the choice, God or my will be done. So I've been there, but not the, the real one. Second question from Luke: Why did God let Adam and Eve be tempted? Why didn't why didn't he step in? How come he didn't just make us good and and uh we were incapable yeah. of disobedience? That would have been Really nice. Kind of like a show that used to, used to be a show called The Stepford Wives, that the wives did everything their husband wanted. They didn't question anything. His life was great. But that wasn't what the husbands were looking for. They wanted someone with a free will. So why didn't God stop us?
0: Well, one, because he loves us. And out of his love, he created us to be free. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't create us to be robots. Right. And so he took a risk and that we would be free and we could love him in return, um, but we could also choose away from that. And, and that was kind of the inherent uh, risk. Um, but it's out of his, his love for us, it's out of his uh, desire that the, the love between us would be freely chosen. Just like you know, when any married couple is, is asked on their wedding day, do you come here freely? Let's make sure it's yes, um, because that's the foundation of, of love, yeah. uh, is, is freedom, uh, and not coercion, because that's, right. that's not love.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. It's, a, it's a good way to put it, that love is a free gift of self. And uh, in giving of yourself, you come to understand who you are. And uh, God, uh, God so loved the world, it doesn't say God so loved the world that uh, he must give his only son. God so loved the world, he loved the world so much that he gave of himself, he gave his son. It wasn't an algorithm, right? You know, it, wasn't a, it wasn't something that just had to be no matter what, it was a choice, it was a gift of self. And that means so much. You know, Even in your marriage these days, you, know, you and your wife, my wife and, and myself, uh, if she does something for me, I don't want her doing it for me because, well, it's just expected you know or she can't help herself but yeah. it's a gift she's saying i love you i would love to do this for you and uh, and she expects the same from me you know to, that i would love her and, and be a gift uh, to her and i need to do that more
0: yeah and i love how the catechism i don't have the exact quote here but it says that because he meaning god respects the freedom of his creatures and mysteriously knows how to derive good from it hmm. you know and so even, even in that freedom um, to, to choose away from him, in a sense, God isn't limited to the good that he can bring about through all things. And, it's just, and that's an incredible mystery. Mm-hmm. So in his freedom, in this freedom, we, we can choose Him, we can choose away from him, but even in that, he still continues to work uh, for the good.
1: Yeah. And God is, uh, God is not a helicopter God. He doesn't just hover above his, his uh, children and uh, force them to make the right decision and protect them from all harm. He gives you the freedom yeah. so that you can give gift of self to God, and that's love. Yeah. That is love. No helicopter gods. Not here. All right. Number three. From Peter, uh, if God doesn't need anything, why did he create the world and humanity? Thank you, Peter, for asking that. That's an interesting question. If God doesn't need anything, why did he create the world and humanity? Hmm. That's a,
0: that is a great question. Yeah. And the, the catechism starts off with, with that right in paragraph one, that God perfectly blessed in, in himself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, God is perfect. He doesn't have any need for us. Um, but he created for his glory and for our good and to to show forth and to communicate uh, the love that is Trinitarian, the love that always moves outward, Mm -hmm. that always draws others in. And uh, it's a beautiful gift of creation so that we can come to to know God, um, but also uh, it's it's so that we can enjoy Him uh, forever. But it communicates and shows forth as the again, as the Catechism says, mm-hmm. His glory,
1: and I can understand Peter the your question, and I'm I'm agreeing with you, but it's interesting wording, in that it, it's almost as if, well, God created us because He needed something, right, and that that does reflect our our kind of our way of doing business too that. Yep. I need something, therefore I'm going to build something, or I'm go- whatever yeah. it might be. But you know, this is the same thing, Peter, that is brought up when we talk about Mary, for example, uh, when we talk about the the greatest creation of God, uh, human being, outside of uh, of Jesus, who is God, is Mary, his mother, who was, who was conceived without sin, uh, and we have so much respect for Mary and uh, veneration. Of Mary. And then the argument comes back well, how can you guys as Catholics do that? You're taking glory away from Jesus. You're taking mm. glory away from God. And I think, no, 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 we're not. We're not. God is showing off his glory, God is showing us his glory. To say the Blessed Virgin Mary is incredible is to bless God. If someone, uh, someone came... do you have daughters? I don't. You have all sons. Okay, I have all daughters, so I'll use mine as an example. Somebody came up to me and said, Jeff, your daughter is, she's beautiful. She is beautiful. Now, what if I said, "Um, excuse me, where do you think that came from? (laughs) And you would say, what? You know it bugs me when you mention her like that don't you know where she came from? Right. What would you think of me if I said that? oh yeah you'd think what Sounds a crazy. conceited individual yeah. no, if you said Jeff, I, I saw your daughter the other night you you have raised him that she's such a beautiful, beautiful person. I think thank you yeah. thank you yeah. you didn't take anything from me no. at no. all you didn't take anything from me at all, and God has. Has, it shares his glory. He's limitless. He's not insecure. He's not like us. It's not a zero-sum game that if you say your, your creation is beautiful, he's like, oh, I feel inadequate now. No. He loves to show yeah. his, his glory. You're not going to exhaust the glory of God. And this, this question also reminds me of that
0: great line from the liturgy where it says that God has no need of our praise, mm-hmm. but our desire to praise him is his gift to us. Yeah, yeah. And so I you could just see in that God God is fine without us but it's his gift to help us recognize his goodness. Yeah, it's good for
1: that's us. Good, that's good. Thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Uh, this was a good beginning, and we're talking about uh, relationships and where we go from here. We know the answer is uh, in in Jesus, and we look to uh, see what God is is doing with you these days. You're speaking around the country, and I am. Yeah. Yeah. doing that type of thing, doing some writing, and
0: yeah, writing, uh, teaching, podcasting, and you know, listening your podcast, uh, better preach. Better preach. Yeah. What do you talk about on uh, delivering and developing great Catholic talks? So I, I interview the you know the best communicators out there to kind of go behind the scenes mm-hmm. and kind of learn about their process and how they bring great talks to life.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Well, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Yeah. God Thanks, bless Jeff. you. Thank you for watching. If you would like to see more amazing content on the Bible, be sure to like and subscribe.